Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Philippians chapter 4. I, I just, I've wrestled with God and wrestled with God. Can I tell y'all something? Disclaimer. You ready? Disclosure. God has put a lot in the holster for the next few weeks and next four months for this church that I'm supposed to preach. And I was ready to come in blazing hot with some of that material. And God said, wait, I need you to throw a big net, a big net. And I need you, I need you, I need you to lean on me for this. I need you to be able to serve up a peanut butter and jelly to the young ones. And I'll help you season some prime rib for the ones that know how to chew their food. But today I need you to preach to the heart of where people are at in this room. And I said, Lord, this isn't really the kind of sermon that I thought I'd be preaching the first Sunday in our new location. I was really expecting to to lace it with revival and stuff like that. And he said, "Just, just stay with me. We're going somewhere. I need you to preach what I put on your heart. I'm the ones that I'm the one that writes the sermons and you're the one that preaches them. I said, "Yes, sir." I take that back. God and Ashley write the sermons and I preach them. <laughs> Philippians 4, I'll I'll paraphrase for you. Paul is sitting in a jail cell. Greatest Christian to ever live on the planet sitting in a jail cell. For being a minister of the gospel. While he's sitting in that jail cell, some people believe, scholars believe, he had a scribe, someone who sat on the other side of the bars and wrote whatever he spoke, which was probably the case, or maybe Paul was afforded the liberties to have the necessary items so he could write it himself. But as he's sitting in that jail cell and he's closing out this letter, he's writing to the believers in Philippi, he says, I appreciate y'all being good to me and I appreciate y'all taking care of me. The financial blessing was right on time and I'm glad that when you had opportunity, you did it. He said, not not that I speak in respect of won't. He said, I want y'all to understand something. It's not like I'm down to my last dime and last crumb. I'm, I'm gonna be all right. God's gonna take care of me. He's taking care of me this far and I'm gonna be okay. Even if I have to survive off prison food, I'm gonna be all right. Because bless God, you can make a lot happen with three hots in a box. But he said this, I have learned. God, I want to know what the greatest Christian to ever live is about to say as he's nearing the end of his life. I have learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, as we so famously inscribe upon the art in our homes, put upon T-shirts we wear and tattoos that we bear, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. 
I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I want to preach for a few fleeting moments on this today, cracking the code of contentment. Cracking the code of contentment. Father, I ask you to touch me right now and fill me. Let me honor you as I bring this word and help your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we clap our hands together one more time and give him praise? Ladies and gentlemen, it is no mystery to you and I today that we live in a society, in a society that breeds a spirit of discontentment. We live in a world, in a culture, especially here in America, that produces this spirit of discontentment. Think about it for a second. You take advertising. Advertising is molded and shaped in such a way that it will produce a sense of unhappiness in those to whom it is advertising to. You take any random ad on television or any random ad that comes up online and many of the things that you and I see is there to produce a mindset of discontentment to get you unhappy about a product you have, about clothes you own, or maybe even a part of your body physically. I was actually on YouTube the other day, and I had an ad that come up, and usually I'm quick to skip the ad as soon as I'm able to, but I was in awe at this ad and the nature of its content because it was a guy who was talking about developing a chiseled and strong jawline. And being right around the corner from turning 40 on November 11th, I, I have noticed a dissipation in the sexiness of the jawline that used to be present in my life. I dare not shave this beard ever again for fear of looking like a thumb in a shirt. I have, I have noticed that I am more suited with this chin strap to give the appearance that there is a bone beneath this flab and fluff. This man in the ad was chewing on what looked like a silicone ball. He had it wrapped around his neck, and he had the ball in his mouth, and he was chewing on it, and the guy said, this is size." <laughs> and this guy is walking around the office chewing on this silicone ball, and they promote this item, and you, you, may, you may have one in your pocket. <laughs> you may have one in your mouth right now. We think you're funny and weird if you do. I was watching this video, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. This is a real thing. And they claim that it will, they say, you work out every muscle in your body. Why not your face? I said, that's what eating and talking does, doesn't it? Isn't that what churring gum does? I mean, it works out your face. It gives you this jawline, and it adds youth back to your face. And, I mean, just in the little bit of minute and 30 seconds I was watching that ad, I was like, I need to get one of those. And then I thought about the jokes that I would hear from the staff and the, the puns in our house and the dog being confused while all of a sudden I was walking around with a chew toy as well. And 
I thought, you know what, that's probably not for me. And this idea that I need something to fix my jawline. And then I found myself looking at my jawline. And I'm like, well, if I, how, many, how many pounds do I got to lose to know that that's still there? I mean, this is, is this just a thing? And then I began to look at all the other guys my age, and I was like, yep, it's a thing. It's just a thing that happens. Advertising does that to you. you. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen something and it tells you that what you have in your house or what, you, what part of your body or this or that that you need to fix because it produces this discontentment about yourself or your things. Social media does the same thing. But differently than advertising, social media will produce a mindset of unrealistic expectations. Summer just passed us, and many of us, we got a front row seat to the Joneses' social media, and we saw their vacation photos. Yeah, yeah, and we were on the backside of Daytona, right? Backside of Daytona trying to live large and kick it and have fun, and we're doing our family vacation, or we went somewhere, and then we look at somebody going to Turks and Caicos, Someone going to St. Thomas, someone down in Bermuda or Puerto Rico, hopefully not this week. We see all these things, and it makes us look at what they have, and we find ourselves lusting after what somebody else gets to enjoy, and we find ourselves comparing ourselves to what they get to have. Entertainment does the same thing. It creates this discontentment by producing in us a longing of unfulfillment, we watch a movie and we think, why can't my life be like that? We watch a romance flick and we're like, why can't our marriage be like that? Don't watch The Notebook. It's not realistic. Create expectations that are unreachable. There ain't one woman in this house. He, there ain't one woman in this house who had a man build a house. You left him for another guy and he, he waited in the house for you to come back and embraced you on the dock and said, it's still not over. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Hollywood creates these unrealistic expectations about love life, about the city life, the country life, life in general. We have a world that is actively in the claws of an unseen enemy. Don't get me started right here. We have a world, a society, and a culture that is being puppeteered by an unseen force that is orchestrating a society and a standard to make you and I think that we are less than, that we are insignificant and inadequate, and the devil has worked his bag of tricks to deceive even God's people into thinking they don't have enough. I wrote this down. It's pretty simple. To not be content is to be discontent. Discontentment, listen to this, is coveting what we do not have, longing for it, believing that if we have it, then we will be satisfied. Oh, if you just had that, if you, could, if you could just land that job, if you could make that much money, if you could have that kind of house, if you could drive that kind of car, if you could wear those kind of shoes, if you could have those kind of clothes, if you could raise those kind of kids, it's getting quiet up in here in Baldwin, Georgia. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That discontentment begins to breed 
And we find ourselves longing, believing, and reaching and trying to achieve this unrealistic level that God never intended for us to have. Let me, let me, let me go a little deeper for you this morning. I wrote this down. Situational contentment is only achieved after applying every ounce of yourself in full pursuit of God and bettering your life despite whatever is going on. I don't want you to get me wrong. Contentment is not reached when you just throw up your hands and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I shouldn't even try. I shouldn't ask, I shouldn't pray, I shouldn't pursue, I shouldn't try to change anything. I should just be okay with the way things are. That's not contentment. Contentment is you throwing your hands up to God and saying, I have done everything I know to do in this situation. I am trying to control the controllables, but the reality is there are uncontrollables that I cannot control. So instead of me throwing my hands up and saying, what's the use? I've done everything I can, but I'm throwing my hands up to you and saying, if anything changes, if anything happens, if anything turns the corner, it's going to be because you you did it, and you saw that it was best. I don't want what's good. I want what's God. People, everybody in the room, nobody's, nobody's exempt from this message. Everybody in the room wants to be content. Whether you're 13 or you're 83, you want to be content You want to reach this pinnacle of life where you're satisfied with where things are only after pursuing God and saying this is what you want. And if you're not not paying attention, you miss this powerful lesson. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul, he just gives us this valuable insight. He tells us what he has learned to be content. He says, I have learned in whatever state my life is in, I have learned to be content with whatever that is. Everybody's got their own little motto they live by, their own little creed, their value system, and There's not a person in this room that hasn't learned something valuable yet in this life. You live on this planet a little while, and it doesn't take you long. You start going through the school of hard knocks, and you graduate with a few degrees, and you learn a few things. There's some things that you can learn by example, watching somebody else go through it, and you're able to sit back and go, well, don't do that. You watch someone walk through life, and you're like, that, that's how you do that. That, that. That's what I want. We all grew up watching someone engage in a relationship, and we said, I want my marriage to be like that. Or we learned what not to do or how not to talk to your spouse or how not to treat your children. And we learned a lot of things. But so many of us have these valuable lessons that are entrenched and ingrained in us. And at the end of our life, we're able to look back at a few things and say, you know what? These are some valuable things I've learned. Paul sits, watch this, in a jail. And he says, I have learned to be content. 
He's got a pan of water, a five-gallon Lowe's bucket for a bathroom, chains around his ankles and his wrists. He is sitting in solitary confinement waiting his appearance before Nero. Nero, Emperor Nero, the person who takes Christians, cuts their heads off, takes a 12-foot spiked pole, runs it through their body, lights them on fire, and lines the streets of his city with the burning bodies of Christian believers. He's sitting in a jail cell waiting to talk to this guy. And he says... While imprisoned, I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. Oh, that you and I could break off a crumb from that piece of bread and get our eyes off of the left and the right and stop getting caught up with comparing ourselves to everybody else and trying to keep up with everybody else and thinking that if I could get this or if I could get there, I would be happier. I'm going to tell you something. Maybe God today brought you to this church service to remind you, even if you've got a bucket beneath you and chains around you, if you've got Jesus and you've got God in your life, maybe it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. Maybe it doesn't matter how much money you got in your account. Maybe it doesn't matter what's sitting in the garage or what shoes are strapped to your feet. I think we need to take a second right now and give God some praise over the fact that the goodness of God is not dictated by the circumstances or the situation. Don't matter what side of the tracks you live on, don't matter what county or zip code you're from. Here's a man sitting in a jail cell says, I've just learned how to be content and whatever my surroundings are. How did he do that? How did he do that? And then you go through the Bible and you realize that what he learned is connected to how he lived. And he says, I have lived and I know how to be abased. That's low. Everybody say low. He says, and I know how to abound. That's high. Everybody say high. Paul says, I know how to live on the bottom, and I know how to live on the top. And when you read this verse right here, he's talking about, I've been instructed. I've been given spiritual counsel from my God on how to live in all things, amidst all things, against all things. I know how to be full. I know how to be hungry. I know how to be on top, and I know how to be on the bottom. I I know how to live like this. He's not saying, I know what it's like when it gets like this. He's saying, I know how to live when it gets like that. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm He doesn't say, I know how, I know how it is like this. Because everybody in this room, I don't, I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how many friends you have. I got 1,200 friends on Facebook. You don't have 1,200 friends. Those are not your friends. Those are, the same, those are people trying to fake it till you make it just like you are. They're, those are not your friends. Oh, I've got this, and, I, and I've gotten here, I've gotten here. And if I could just get there, I've said this so many times, we are in a place right here that used to be a there. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it loud for the folk in the back. Here used to be a there. 
Because you used to be back here saying if I could just get there. If I could just get there. And look at the hand of God in your life. Look at the Red Seas that he's divided. Look at the waters that have given rock. Look at the manna upon the ground. Look at the serpents that he chased away. Look at the devils that he expelled. Look at the mountains he helped you climb and the valleys he helped you cross. Look at the progress you've made. Look at how far you've come. Here. Now you here. Now it started at the bottom. Now we here. Look at you. Look at you. It ain't, it ain't enough, is it? Now you're here. And you used to say, if I could just get there, now you're here. And now you're saying, if I could just get there. If I could just get there. At some point in time, no matter how many friends you have, death will come and take somebody you love. No, no matter how good a shape you are, I'm talking to the joker with the most chiseled jawbone and a 12-pack. Let me clarify. I say 12-pack. Half of y'all are like, hey, man, no, no, hold on. I'm talking about abs. Eight-pack. I got to clarify with this crowd. Bless God, they'll throw a party in a heartbeat. Preacher said 12-pack. Somebody say amen. I'll see you at Big Daddy's. No, no, hold on. Hold on. I don't care how good of shape you are in. It don't take but one doctor's report and one reality check and an infirmity can rid your fleshly body and put you in a bed on your back looking at a ceiling wishing God would bail you out. All of us at some point are going to have the highs and the lows. That's not what he said. He said, I know how to live when it's high. And I know how to live when it's low. Michael, stand up. Philippians 4. Do you know, did y'all know the key to how to live when it's up and down? He already shared it with us in verses 4 through 8. Did you know that? Context, ladies and gentlemen, Bible study right here, Sunday school. He already told us how to live when things get up and things get low. What does verse number 4 say? Rejoice in the Lord always, whether it's up or it's down. Consider your God and notify your face that you're going to heaven. Rejoice in the Lord always. What's verse 5 say? Learn how to live at harmony with other people. Why? Why? Because the Lord is at hand. That means he's coming back any day now. Some of y'all don't believe that. CNN ain't going to tell you. Fox News ain't going to tell you. But God put a microphone in my hand to tell you we are in the home stretch. It's bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded, full count. And any day now, he's going to split the eastern sky and he's going to call his church out of here. We're going to be out of here like Vladimir, ladies and gentlemen. Can't no gravity hold us down. Can't no grave hold us down. When he steps out and he comes down, we go up. Somebody give him praise if you believe that. 
Live every day. How do you live when it's up? How do you live when it's down? How do you find contentment? Learn how to be a harmony with people because you ain't got long. That means go settle up and be quick to forgive. Stop holding grudges. By the way, how's that working for you? How's that bitterness working for you? Bitterness is like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. You can't do it. Sooner or later, it's going to come out. Learn how to live at harmony, he says. What's the next verse? So verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. He says, stop caring about everything. Everything ain't so serious. That's right. And most of the stuff you're worrying about is not going to happen. The stuff you should have worried about, you're not even going to know it's coming. It's going to blindside you. That's right, Doc. Stop getting consumed with anxiety and start taking your cares and dumping them at the feet of the God you can trust to bring you through those things. Keep going. What's the next verse say? In the peace of God which passeth all. Oh, I think we've already read that verse today. Right. The peace of God that passes all understanding. That's right. What's shall, it going to do? Shall keep your hearts and minds keep. through Christ Jesus. God will give you peace for the things you don't understand. I need a witness right there. If you believe that to be true, he'll give you peace. When it's up, if I lose my house and I lose my job and I lose everything I got, I'm going to need peace. Well, you're going to need peace if you got everything in order. Deion Sanders said the most depressing day of his life was when the Cowboys won that first Super Bowl with him. He said after all the photos and all the videos and all the post-game press conference and all that, and, and he didn't even go to the parties. He got in his Lamborghini and drove around downtown Dallas more depressed than he'd ever been because he put his whole life looking forward to winning the Super Bowl. Finally got there, and he had this big, empty, so what in his soul. Rich people, wealthy people, popular people, prestigious people, they're just as empty as blind, broken beggars. Every man and woman in this room, you came into this world with a God-sized hole in your heart, and you ain't ever going to find any decimal or dollar that's ever going to fill it. What's the next verse? So finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever so things are honest, okay, Whatsoever things are just, okay. and whatsoever things are pure, okay. whatsoever things are lovely, okay. whatsoever things are of good report, mm. if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think if there's any good thing to your life that God's done. If you got anything to shift your attitude into gratitude, he said, just think about it. Think about it. Maybe we need to practice Romans 12 too and renew our minds and change what we think about. There is power in a made-up mind. So whether you're full or you're hungry, whether you're on top or on the bottom, whether you're on the mountain or you're in the valley, Paul said, learn how to do these things and think about the goodness of God in your life and it'll change your perception of your situation. Thank you, McCrone. Last one. The verse that everybody 
likes to use to apply to their little engine that could mentality. Paul says, I've learned how to be content. Whether I'm high or low, I've learned how to live when I'm that way. I've learned how to live when it's that way. And then he says, stay with me and I'm done. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Do you know that God never let me preach on that verse? In 20 years of preaching, I never was able to preach on it till a few years ago because I never could justify taking that one verse and lifting it off the page and using it like a superhero sermon for sons and daughters of the king. God said that verse is attached to what I was just talking about with contentment. See it there. See it there. He's talking about how hard it is to be. Can I come down here? Everybody all right? He's talking about how hard it is to be content. How difficult it is. And, and, and you know, he's sitting in a jail cell. He, he relates to our struggles, right? Y'all got to stop acting like these Bible characters are Marvel superheroes. <laughs> Maybe you need to read Romans 7. Romans 7 is one of the most transparent, ugliest chapters in the Bible because the greatest Christian of humanity was talking about how weak his flesh was. And he said, there's things that I'm supposed to do, but I don't have the power to do them. And there's things I hate. I hate these things. But I'm so weak and so depraved that I end up doing those things and thinking about those things and saying those things and looking at those things. And I'm in this war with myself. The same guy that said this said that. And he's talking about this war going on inside of his soul to be content with things. And he says this, I find my strength. Paul says, I crack the code on contentment. And it comes from the Christ that strengthens me. Sometimes it takes more strength to accept something than to reject something. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he's got a very, very scary what-if situation. Like if, if things with his court case and things with his situation go the direction that they look like they're going, he is, his life is about to take a major turn down a very dark path. And he, he was talking about how God's going to come in and God's going to step in the way and God's going to change it and God's going to change everybody's minds and God's going to reroute the entire situation and what everybody thinks is going to happen is not going to happen because God's going to step in and God's going to do this and then I and then I messed him up and I'm 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 not a very polished preacher I'm barely saved I'm barely going to heaven like well, I'm one of them people when I get there and I look around and I see Pastor Jeff and Pastor JJ I'm like y'all too oh my god Especially if Pastor Jeff said, we're going to be like, man, that grace stuff is for real. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And he's telling me all this, and I just, I had to say it. I had to speak the truth in love. I said, hey, man, what, what if that doesn't happen? He said, what do you mean? I said, what if 
God, just hypothetical, let me be devil's advocate as your brother. What if God doesn't do any of that stuff? And he said, bro. He said, bro, where, where's, where's your faith? I said, oh, oh. Faith. Faith doesn't ignore a what-if situation. Fear ignores a what-if situation. Faith will go down to the very bottom of that ugly what-if and ask, what if it does go this way? What if it does fall apart? What if my life does get turned upside down? What if I do lose everything? What if everything's out of my control? I have to ask myself with real faith, is he still God if it all does go to hell? Is he still faithful? Is he still sovereign? Is he still all-knowing? Is he still in control? Does he still sit on the throne? Is he still my father? Am I still his child? Are my sins still forgiven? Is heaven still my home? I may be helpless and I may be hopeless, but I know even if death knocks at the door, I know I'm not homeless because I know where I'm going if I die. And you can't threaten a Christian with heaven. You can't threaten me with pearly gates. You can't threaten me with jasper walls. You can't threaten me with streets of gold. You can't threaten me with angels. You can't threaten me with the throne. The worst thing that will ever happen to me is heaven. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let, think on that for a second. The worst thing that will ever happen to a believer. Is heaven. I said, real faith is going down to the bottom of that ugly what if and saying, even if. Oh no, God, God will come through. God doesn't stop everything. First of all, God's a gentleman. He'll never twist your arm, make you do anything. He gave you the power of free will and choice. You choose to love him or reject him. He gives you the power of choice. God will, God will step in. He didn't with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, he did, but he didn't. He'll, he, won't, he won't let us get in the fire. They made it through it. And last time I checked, the fire is what got them closer to the Son of God. Oh, my, come on, God. They went into the fire bound. Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace and saw three men walking around loose. Isn't it funny that the fire is what burned off all the stuff that bound them, and the fire is the thing that got, y'all ain't got time for that this morning. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know what Paul was saying? One of the hardest things I'll ever do in my weakness is be content. And I've learned how to be content with Christ because he is the epitome of strength. He is the supreme example of strength. Jesus never lied, never lusted. Jesus never got caught up with pride or envy or arrogancy or jealousy. He wasn't afraid of the devil. Sin never touched him. They crucified him, murdered him, executed him. He was so strong that he rolled the rock out of the way and walked out of the grave after three days and three nights. 
He is the epitome of strength, and he is the source of your strength. And I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me loud and clear, and I close. It is impossible to find contentment apart from Jesus. You ain't going to find it. Because if you're high or you're low, if you don't have Jesus, there's still a blank that is yet to be filled. Jesus is the code to contentment. What's the code? J E S U S. What's the code to being content? J E S U S. JJ, come on, come on, help me close. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Let me land this plane. I look forward to what the Holy Spirit's going to do as he takes over this church and takes over this community. But before we have another Sunday or we have another week, we go any further, I, I, want, I want you to get this part right here right. I want you to get this part right here right. The worship team's going to get in place. The checkout team's going to get in place. But I want to get this part right here right. Listen closely. If you have nothing, but you have Jesus, you got everything. I'm going to say that again. If you have nothing, but you have Jesus, you got everything. Because nothing plus Jesus equals everything. Now, I'm looking around the room. I don't see anybody with nothing. Pretty sure everybody's got shoes on. We got teenagers over here with phones in their hands. Phones. Phones. Y'all remember being teenagers? Hurry up, we ain't got long. If my parents pick up, they're going to know I'm talking to you again. <laughs> now they can snap, crackle, pop, all that junk. Bless God, we don't even know about it, right? I'm looking around this room. Praise the Lord. Everybody's got clothes on. <coughs> Pretty sure everybody's got shoes on. None of y'all spent the night last night. It means you, you, you got here and you'll get to leave. We'll go home and we'll sit on a couch or in a chair. We'll lay in a bed tonight. We'll get up and we'll go to work and we'll, we'll make some money. And yet, not as much as we want. We're probably not working where we wish we were working. And You're not down to nothing. God help me. God help us. We're not, you're not down to nothing. So if nothing plus Jesus equals everything, something plus Jesus is still everything. What am I trying to say? All the crap you think is the code to contentment, it's not. It's just him. It's just him. He's the only way you're going to ever be content. That, by the way, that's what that longing and that emptiness is coming from is you're trying to fill it with everything else.
I could just get there, if I could just get there, if I could just get there. Well, you've been there for a while and you're still not content. Ma'am, why is that? If we could just get married, you did. If we could just have kids, you did. If we could just get a bigger house, you did. If I could just get that car, you did. If I could just have a better social media presence, you, you do. I, when does it end? When does it end? My kids got to be in the best school system. Well, when does it end? We've got to make this much. We've got to have that much set back. We need a vacation home. I want, when does it end? Maybe it's not about how high you can get. Maybe you're longing and aggravated and depressed because you are reaching for something that is so elusive. And the moment you get your hands on it, you're going to realize this is not enough. But when you recognize that Jesus is the only way to ever come to a place of contentment, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what I'm saying. When you recognize that Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, is the only code to being content, you can look at your jail cell and you can say, it's enough. You can look at your life and you can say, it's enough. You can look at your purse, whether, bless God, it's a knockoff Walmart or it's coach or help me here, girls. Valentino white bag, whatever it is. Whether you're driving a hoopty or driving a Mercedes. Contentment is with Jesus. No matter what kind of shoes are on my feet. No matter how much gas is in the tank. No matter how many bedrooms we have. No matter how many friends my social media platform says I have. No matter how many followers. And if I post something tonight with good intentions just to let people know, hey, I exist, I'm here, and you only get two likes because nobody cares. If you got Jesus. You know why so many of us are not content? Because we don't have him. We know about him, but we don't know him. We know of him, but we don't know him. We just think he's a historical figure that did all these things. And you know what? Based on the Bible Belt culture, I'm probably supposed to believe in that. But you got a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. And you're never going to be content. And you're never going to crack this code, young man, until you come to the understanding that Jesus is the only hope and the only help you'll ever find in this life. Apart from Jesus, contentment is impossible. It's enough. Young lady, I'm sure you're probably overwhelmed with the pornographic culture of YouTube and social media and Snapchat and TikTok and OnlyFans and you've let unrealistic expectations from a pornographic culture dictate your image and your identity, thinking this is who I have to be. Because there's chivalry is dead, and there's no respectful young men anymore, and all of them are only in it for what they can get out of it. And I gotta compete with that, I gotta compete with 
Pornhub and I compete with all this stuff and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm being swallowed up in this world of degradation and you can either get with it and be somebody or you can be the weirdo outcast if you have any standards or morals about yourself. When you got Jesus, you can look in the mirror and when your body is not perfect, you can say, I am enough because he is enough. And when you're the weirdo at school because you're a holy roller and you're a Jesus freak, you can say, I am enough because he's enough. And when you lose friends and you get kicked out on the outskirts of the in, in crowd and the in circle, you can say, I've got Jesus and he is enough. And because he is enough, I am enough. He is enough. I don't think you're hearing me. Jesus my lamb, my God, my king, my Lord, he is enough. He was enough for my sin and he was enough for my failure. He was enough for my ugly past and he was enough for the darkness over my shoulder. He was enough for my secrets and my stains. and He was enough for all of my pain. And that same Jesus that was enough for me back then, that same Jesus, he is enough for me right now. Give him praise if you believe he is. I said he is enough. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.